Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's fixing to open up an offensive lineman marketing firm, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I would gladly brunch with the bigs. I've swam with the dolphins and, and doing anything with the, anything that's awesome makes the first thing awesome. Brunch is awesome. The bigs are awesome. Come on. It it makes perfect sense. Hit me up all current, former past and future offensive linemen. Um, we have, uh, very little in the way of currency, but very much in the way of knowledge. You can, uh, be a sponsor of the Longhorn Republic. We're looking at, uh, at you. Derek Kerstetter, Tope Amade, etc., 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 and especially you, Mr. Angulo. Um, bring them all in. Bring them all in. The fact that they didn't immediately hit up Casey Studdard at Whitfield seems like a miss. Yeah. Like, that seems like the match made in heaven as far as, like, if we're looking to do food with big people, like, Casey Studdard won a national championship at Texas playing offensive line, and he's also the pitmaster for Whitfield. So, like, do it. Makes sense. Also, additionally... I'm real mad, still mad, going to always be mad that international students are not eligible for this because as your favorite punter's favorite podcast, we are unable to pay our favorite punters to tell tell you all that we're your favorite punter's favorite podcast, but confirmed on Twitter that we are indeed your favorite punter's favorite podcast. Absolutely. And I, I've even tried to uh, be the, the monetary bridge and I've confirmed that Australia actually also uh, works on the dollar. It's the Australian dollar. Uh, it's different. Has a different look to it, different color, different feel and texture, um, but we could we could use those. Uh, you know, we could we could pay in those. It doesn't matter. But 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 just don't don't hold these beautiful, wonderful Aussies, these 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 uh, these mountains of leg of men. Uh, don't don't hold them to these 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 standards. Don't don't make them othered. Do not keep them out of the money pot. That is um, being uh, fans of the Longhorn Republic and Gerald's brilliant Outback Steakhouse direct pipeline uh, sponsorship deal. You know, put that back on the table, NCAA and 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 governing bodies, make it happen. It feels like such low hanging fruit, right? When somebody in our mentions, and I'm mad it wasn't us, came up with this, but boom and onion, right? <laughs> boom and punts, boom and onion. Feels like a match made in heaven but we're not here to talk about restaurant sponsorship even though kyle and i can be bought yes we can be bought easily and for cheap but we're not here to talk about it we're going to talk we're going to start our um texas previews we go week by week and do some positional previews so kyle and i'll talk about the quarterback battle this week we'll also talk about a little bit of a weird week in recruiting uh texas went in with high hopes and came away with a couple of solid uh players players that i like quite a bit but we'll talk about that we'll obviously down the 40 some Weird again, weird news happened this week. We'll talk about it and we'll close the show out with some bang the drum. For the first time since 2018, Kyle, we've got questions at the quarterback position. So uh, if you don't remember what happened in 2018, Sam Ellinger, Shane Bouchelle had an 11 1 competition between them to see who would be the starting quarterback. Sam Ellinger won out. Shane Bouchelle 
love him for it. Stayed engaged, played a couple of games as well, but then ended up transferring to Southern Methodist University. Well, Casey Thompson changed his number to number 11 in the offseason, setting us up for another 11-1 and quarterback battle. So Casey Thompson and Hudson Card are going to go into, they came out of the spring still battling, and we'll say this now and we'll say it again. If you came out of the spring game knowing who you thought the better quarterback was, you were probably already convinced prior to that game, but came out of it. Heading into a battle in the spring, we likely won't know the answer to this question until the week of the game. And so, Kyle, when we look at these two quarterbacks, um, let's just break down like the differences between them and what we think uh, they bring to the table uh, skills-wise. Well, I mean, I think, look, there's a lot of similarities and overlaps in these two these two quarterbacks. There's a lot of things that they both can do um, well. There's a lot of things that they both like to do. Um, and... I, kind of start by saying that I, that I don't know that the offense will necessarily change drastically depending on who is the quarterback. I think this is probably a, a um, uh, Steve Sarkeesian's offense with a mobile quarterback, which isn't always how the offense is, 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 you know, orchestrated, but both of these guys were, you know, would, would be considered dual threats in the fact that they uh, are not run first in, in any way for either quarterback, but have the ability to run. Um, and I think uh, a lot of what we know about both of them is on high school tape, on intangibles, on, on, on you know, camp, on, on practice, on spring game, on whatever, um, on watching what they can do on the throws, they can make the decisions, the way they run RPOs, those types of things. I'll say Casey Thompson has the most tape. Um, what he did in that Colorado game was, um, if that could be extrapolated at the exact same rate, would make him... It, a the Heisman Trophy winner by the largest margin in the history uh, recorded of of that voting right eighty uh, percent completion um, if he can just basically throw for one hundred and seventy yards every two quarters that's you know let's call it three fifty uh, a game so eighty percent completion three fifty and eight touchdowns a game um, that that's probably pretty good that 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 probably is also not sustainable um, but we have seen the tape on him he made some some incredible plays. In that game, unfortunately for both of these guys, outside of that, there's not a lot of actual live Saturdays, big time college football game tape. And then we've talked a lot about in the Sam Ellinger discussion. That's just uh, the fact that Tom Herman found ways to, to coach close games. And when you have close games and you have a, a leader senior last year and really is a junior as well of your team as the, you know, the quarterback position, he ain't coming off the field, you know, until that thing's decided. And so unfortunately for, for Thompson, especially who, who has sat in that number two or three position, but really number two for the, for the majority of it, um, uh, he's just now getting to show what he can do. Card has some more time ahead of him. Of course. Um, I, I'll just say this. I, I think either of these guys can run, Sarkeesian's offense. I don't think it will come down to who's the more mobile of the quarterbacks. I don't think it'll come down uh, necessarily to who has the biggest arm. I think it will come down to um, decision-making speed, how quick they can you know run the RPO and make the correct decision-making, right, making the right decisions, um, protecting the ball, and, and utilizing all the playmakers at their disposal. A Steve Sarkeesian offense should be quick. It should be making the right read every time, which he's going to scheme to get uh, you know, to, to make defenses have to pick and be able to make that read and, and get the guy in space, you know, the ball and let let 
the skill players really. I mean, that's how you take Mac Jones and turn him into the the elite uh, quarterback that he was. And I think I think both of these both of these quarterbacks have that ability. I, I think uh, Thompson has shown the big arm, has shown uh, he can in the past be a run first quarterback. So again, Sark will have and Milwee and, and, and the coaching staff will have the most direct view of if he is getting comfortable with using those weapons. Uh, I think Card is a guy who just feels fit for the RPO offense. And so long-term, I could see him being a, a, a incredible mesh, but you, you also have, and we don't live in this world of college football anymore, but the guy who is more senior more experienced i think he's like 28 years old he's not actually um but he's a very old uh, uh college junior in 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 casey thompson who's just developed and who is you know trying to to make that last step the nfl tape and and, and I, i'm not going to sit here and predict who i think it will be but i i would not be shocked if we saw thompson take the first snap the, you lose a little bit of the advantage of Casey Thompson being a guy with who could theoretically have three years of eligibility left and four offseason conditioning programs under his belt because Texas is yet under yet another offensive staff, right? This is now his third offensive staff in four years. And so um, you lose a little bit of that advantage that he would have, right? If it was the same offensive coordinator, then that's a built-in advantage. Again, four, four offseasons, you better know the offense. You better be good at running it by now or what the heck have you been doing with your life? And so there's, there's a reason and there's a lot of, you know, why Casey Thompson was a highly recruited guy and why he, set all sorts of records at Southmore and then went to Newcastle and did it again his senior year. And there's a reason why Hudson card was the number, what 50 or number 60 player, uh, number 59 players right in the middle there um, in the country and his recruiting class. And so it's, these are both. And the, the thing we have to, to really um, look at is that these were both kind of Tom Herman quarterbacks, right? Mm. These are Tom Herman quarterbacks, Beck Herman quarterbacks. And so, what does the offense look like with either of them, right? Because, again, it's an RPO system, and that's fine. Like Everybody's running RPOs. That's, that's what it is. But you look at the first quarterback they took in, the, in their recruiting cycle. Well, I guess, theoretically, it would, he would have been the second quarterback. It's fine. But, like, you look at Malik Murphy and what he does, he is not the guy to use his legs necessarily. Granted, there's a reason why recruiting services are doing away with differentiating between dual threat and you know, pocket passer, right? But Malik Murphy is a, is a throw-first quarterback. He's a guy who's going to stand and try to make his reads. And so that's going to be the differentiator. I think you hit it right on the head. Is who's the guy that can make the right read at the point of attack? And who's the guy that can throw a receiver open? Because a lot of where Bama found their success last year was yards after the catch. Right. And so I think that's going to be the guy who really can excel in this offense, whoever it is, right? Um, and again, you and I, we don't have sources. And we're again if you came out of the spring game having an opinion about it, then you came mm. into the spring game having an opinion about it because there really wasn't any separation between the two. They both looked really good playing against the with the ones, and the guy, when they ended up having to play with the twos, struggled because, well, it's the twos. There's a reason why they're the twos. And so, like, the guy who can throw these fast receivers open, right, because Texas has come into some some found money a little bit uh, in the receiver spot. You know, we lost, Texas lost Jake Smith, but Whittington is still around. Quick guy. Uh, you've got... Xavier Worthy, who came in and is arguably one of the fastest guys on the team already. Jaden Alexis, another, you know, super fast guy. Kelvante Dixon, really fast receiver. So who's the guy that can throw these guys open and, and really throw them into a position that can they can make a move after the catch, right? If I can those are guys that if they if they make the first guy miss, 
there's not a whole lot of geometry that you can do to, to take a cutoff angle at these guys. And so that I think is going to be something to watch. It's something that's going to be a differentiator is like, who's the guy that can put the receivers in a spot to make a play, right? Because Sark talked about it. You've, you've got to have your station wagons and your Ferraris. I think it's the <laughs> metaphor he used. It's the metaphor I'm going to use, right? And so you've got to put your Ferrari in some open space. So that's the guy I think that's going to end up coming out on top. Yeah, absolutely. And look, look, if folks don't don't follow this closely and just take a glance, uh, you may not realize that, that Hudson Card is incredibly athletic himself. Like not only just the fact that in addition to throwing for 6,400 yards and 80 TDs in high school, he rushed for, you know, 1,350 and 20 TDs, but he played his sophomore season because he came from maybe the greatest pipeline of high school quarterbacks in the country. Um, he played his sophomore season at wide receiver, and in that season caught 69 passes for 1,100 yards and 13 TDs. Again, a very elite offense machine that just, you know, puts plug and play. Guys, I'm not saying Hudson Card should be playing wide receiver by any stretch, but that just shows he has an athleticism. He has an ability to go out and do what need is needed to win. Um, he, he can adapt. I, I think all those things are, are really good qualities. This biggest play really that we have on tape of him is in that UTEP game. And what was it? It goes down as not a stat whatsoever for him. It was a 40-yard run for Malcolm Epps. But it was basically, if you can recall, an RPO where card, that RPO we, we like to run that was basically like a, a video game glitch, last second, knee almost down, pitch out to always seem to be a tight end or a, or a guy um, at the almost boundary sideline um, that they would just throw out. And he, he read it, timed it perfectly, did what, you know, Herman wanted. And, and that play, you know, the best it worked all year, took off uh, w- without a hitch. And, and if Epps had a little more uh, hitch in his giddy-up, would have probably been a touchdown for him. But 40 yards for, for a, a Malcolm Epps, who mainly was, was great at jumping up and catching, you know, not so much running fast down the field, uh, shows that, uh, you know, Card's got some big play, got some dynamicism. I think in the spring game, he looks really good um, with, with his RPOs. Again, like you said, especially um, when playing with once. I said Thompson might get the first snap because I think Thompson is the older, more experienced quarterback and has the the, 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 the bowl game experience. And, and But I, I, Thompson is a guy who in his past before that bowl game had looked like a player who felt most comfortable tucking as soon as the pressure got to him. There was a play in that bowl game where a rusher was was in the backfield. Again, offensive line is going to have a lot to say, and we'll talk about that in our line preview, but for the success of either of these quarterbacks, for sure. But there was a play where a rusher was kind of immediately left into the backfield, and um, more so than than any other of his big home run throws, four touchdowns, it was one of his four passes that were completed that weren't a touchdown in that game. He he, he froze a guy with, with a shake in the pocket and then immediately looked upfield and just uh, dumped off probably a 25, 30-yard completion to Cade Brewer. And that, to me, is more of what I think his athleticism and his ability to to be a playmaker um, will, if that is the, the Casey Thompson that has been trying out and showing out for, for Coach Sark and, 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 and the offense in, in this lead-up to the season, then I think that player can be the Texas quarterback next year in year one under Steve Sarkeesian on a team that can win a lot of games immediately, which is what everyone is hoping. Um, but that needs to be the player, not the player who in his time 
in previous games or in previous years has been quick to tuck it and run. And again, Card, while he's athletic, I don't think has ever really looked, while being a quarterback, to be the run-first quarterback. And I think, again, that mold, even though he was classified, like Gerald said, not really the the term used anymore, but at the time as a dual-threat quarterback, I think Card was a pass-first quarterback who could run. Thompson was a quarterback who could pass. Who could run was probably closer to 50-50 and in times of breakdown and 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 you know he knew he could beat people with his legs and it didn't feel like he always had the exact same amount of confidence in his arm and i think that's fair and i think you know hudson card passed for what 6400 yards in two seasons and he would have passed for more but missed a lot of his senior season due to injury and then came back and dropped a dub on judson which feels great to me sorry love it love to to see it in your judson rocket felt great for hudson card to eat a w against the rockets if you don't know kyle and i both went to samuel clemens high school um which i don't again i haven't kept up with the rivalry it was a rivalry when we were there but i don't know how one-sided it may or may not be at this point again but this is is going to be the this is like I, I think of the storylines to watch this offseason this is the one that's going to get the most ink it might not be the biggest one might not be the most important one even when you think about what else is out there offensive line is a question mark we have a big um who's going to play in the secondary or other things that we have but this is the marquee one that we're going to keep up with and again we may not know until the week of the game we may not know until you and i record our preview podcast the wednesday night before and we they name a starter which again we had to re-record it three years ago because we got it wrong but that's neither here nor there <laughs> Um, I'll be curious to see how it turns out because again, this is not a bad problem to have when you've got two guys that are really talented, uh, trying to find which one fits the offense well with a new coach. And I think, um, new start, new coach, you don't have a lot of that built in baggage that you may have with an old coaching staff. And so I, more than anything, I'm pretty confident that if there are two guys that are going to pick the right quarterback, it's Steve Sarkeesian, who's a quarterback whisperer, and his right-hand man slash protege, A.J. Milwee, who's a guy who impressed the Manning family. If you don't know anything about the Manning family, I know a little bit about quarterbacking. And so we'll keep up with this as we go through the rest of the offseason. Obviously, as we hear more about it, we will keep up with it. Uh, but we'll, again, keep our eyes on the quarterback battle as the season progresses. So it was a, a, a interesting week of recruiting. This time last week, Texas picked up a uh, big commitment from Jamari and Miller. Um, and it was looking like that could have been the start of something big for the Longhorns that had several players that they were eyeing scheduled to commit. Texas, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but Texas uh, took a couple of uh I'll just go ahead and say this. A couple of unexpected haymakers out of uh, Eugene, Oregon, came in and poached um, three-star Duncanville tackle Cam Williams and five-star tackle Kelvin Banks. Texas looked to get four of the five guys they needed to land this week, and, and two of them ended up in, in Oregon, and there's longer conversations to be had about how and why that happened, but we'll have Mike on in a couple weeks to talk about that. But we'll, we'll focus on the guys that Texas did land. Um, two, again, priority uh, position on the interior of the offensive line, four-star Cole Hudson out of Frisco, and three-star Connor Robertson, who's a guy I think might grab a fourth star by the end of the year. Um, Connor Robertson out of Westlake. So Texas needs to land five in this class, th- four to five in this class. Got two of them, so they're somewhere in the range of fifty to forty percent done. Uh, Kyle, as you look at these offensive linemen um, and, and what Texas needs to do, uh, what do you like about them? Well, uh, look, I, I'm going to start with. Connor Robinson uh, out of Westlake. I love just keeping the Westlake pipeline humming and no one else should ever get big time recruits uh, out of Austin, of course, Um, but it will happen, but I hope it doesn't. And especially not up North any direction. Um, But uh, I like Robinson Uh, Robertson. He's a, he's a three-star kid who 
the the haters gonna say it's fake uh burnt orange media conspiracy he's obviously going to get a bump to be a four-star kid he just his tape you can tell um he's 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 good he's playing right tackle right now for westlake um but he's probably sliding in whether that's guard or center likely center but sliding inside um at the next at the next level um he's a kid who you watch his tape and there's tons of technique growth which hey great we have a a fantastic coach in kyle flood um but tons of of technique growth that can happen there but again we're building a pipeline where players don't have to play immediately his strength jumps out uh on the tape and i and i really think um he's a player I, i i like and look texas has a really good um history if you like kind of the the, the symbolism and, and uh, symbiotic nature of things of three-star offensive line recruits named Connor, also them named Sam, but uh, and that's Cosme and Williams I'm, I'm talking about, but three-star offensive line recruits turning out to be, you know, best players on offensive line. So I really like Connor Robinson, and, and please do not hear me uh, in any way besmirch uh, the the, uh, the the signing or the, the announcement of Cole Hudson because a oh, really good player. Um, but but I, I just wanted to make sure that listeners, because sometimes you just look at stars and you think, oh, this guy's the best, this guy's not good. Um, that Those don't always line up. And I think when Robertson gets his fourth star, inevitably, again, people will yell about it, but it's well-deserved. He's he's very good, and I'm excited to get him. There's this thing in offensive linemen where it's just, he's just nasty, right? He's a guy who's like, I'm bigger than you, and I'm going to impose my will on you and you could say a lot of bad things about Tom Herman and we have but one of my favorite quotes that that he talks about the philosophy of football is like football is a game that's about moving somebody to another spot against their will and that's what what Connor Robertson really excels at Um, and we can't we can't shy away from from Cole Hudson as well he's a guy I I love offensive linemen with positional versatility he can play either side he plays um, he plays right guard right now but offensive line coaches I'll never forget in high school we had a guy he's name was James Spence and the coaches loved him because he literally played every spot but center it's like we needed we needed a tackle he could play tackle we needed a guard he could play guard and they rotated this guy around every week and it made all the rest of us upset because it's like hey I'd love some playing time but when somebody went down James was the first one to go in because he could just play all play four of five spots I even think he got a snap at center once and it made me mad but whatever I was the world's shortest center but (laughs) guys with positional versatility on the inside um really are helpful when you're trying to scheme, especially Texas. And, and let's, we're, we're not going to shy away from the fact that like last year, Texas got absolutely pantsed in the offensive line recruiting game. And so you see the Brocker Myers are in, in crimson rather than burn orange. Um, and so Texas is going to have to find and piece together workable and winnable offensive line solutions. And a guy like Cole Hudson is a guy who can play on either side and gives you a lot of, of, um, a lot of versatility, a lot of utility from that spot. And again, he's big and he's physically 6'5", 312. So I don't think he projects at a tackle just because of frame and arms, but like he's a big body. And one of the things Steve Sarkeesian said, he didn't mince words about it, is that we need to get bigger. And 6'5", 312 is plenty big. He's a three-sport guy, which I also love guys that love to compete. He's a, he's a baseball and track guy. His dad actually played um, Arizona State uh, baseball, so that was fun to see him come down and rock burn orange while his dad was rocking 
uh, Arizona State colors in the uh, baseball regional. If you missed that on Twitter, um, that's where. Side note: That's where you and I got in trouble on Twitter, and Mike Mike Roach, our friend, roasted us. Was like we we just tweeted about Coach Flood hanging out with him, and I was like, it looks like Flood might do the dang thing, and people ran with that. Uh, <laughs> that was just us like being like, hey, looks like Texas might actually be able to not get absolutely blasted in offensive line recruiting. Turns out maybe they did, but there's another conversation to have about what um what Cristobal is doing in in Cole Hudson. Look at that size again, 65312. Played first base, but he also was a right-handed pitcher. I just can't imagine like as a batter, as a 17-year-old, 16-year-old like lining up and watching him on a mound, which makes him look even taller, like just wind up to throw a ball at me. I would I would Fill the, the 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 protective cup um, it, that that I, I inevitably wore, uh, but no, I the, the the serious thing that I wanted to add on both of these. When you talked about being lousy in recruiting, beating Stanford for an offensive lineman, I think back to a couple guys uh, who I really would have liked to have, and beating out OU and A and M for Cole Hudson, who have really crushed it in offensive line recruiting, is good. That are those are wins. There are things that can could be better, but that's. I, that that is some good momentum that makes me feel good uh, with Kyle Flood and what he's building here uh, in that in that offensive line room and and just wanted to point that out those winning those battles winning against Stanford winning against OU winning against A and M winning against you know uh, what we need to do at LSU Bama and, and those things in the trenches um, that that's a really good sign and those are the things that that you know speak to the overall program health beating Stanford on two consecutive head-to-head battles on a guy that's going to play center makes me feel good, right? Because Majors was also a head-to-head win over Stanford, come to find out. But, like, that, like, it's just vindicating because that is part of the reason why the Texas offensive line was what it was last year. Again, longer conversation that. Texas sits number eight nationally, second in the Big 12. Uh, They've got um, Texas high edge rusher Derek Brown, who's set to announce uh, on the 20th, and there are probably some others that'll pop between here and then. So Texas still has a chance to really have a solid class, and again, they're going to re-engage with some guys on the tackle front, and we'll have Mike Roach on in a couple weeks. This weekend was a little busy for Mike, so I didn't want to hit him up, Uh, but we will talk uh, to Mike in a few weeks to get some more recruiting updates and so now's the part of the show where we clean up a lot of the fun weird sports things that we got this week and we down the 40 so the first thing we talked about it i talked about it and banged the drum a few weeks ago that texas was lined up for it but now that the season is officially closed the university of texas has brought home its first learfield director's cup so if you don't know what the director's cup is uh, it's been awarded for the past now 27 seasons to the cumulative best athletic program in the country and so how it works is that teams are graded by their 19 highest finishes uh, and there are four standardized sports but their highest 19 athletic finishes they're all assigned a score you add that score up and the winner the one with the highest number is the Director's Cup champion. And for the first year of its existence, North Carolina won it. And then the 25 years between then and this year was Stanford. Texas finished second three times, but finally got over the hump this year. And so for a, and we've said it before, it it, it feels like, and in, in they're the most visible ones, but the entire Texas program is judged based on football and men's basketball. But Texas athletics is in a really, really incredible place, and it looks like football and basketball may be on the upswing. So Texas will be in this conversation, hopefully, for years and years to come. 
And, and look, congratulations to the entire Texas Athletics Department, uh, including Athletic Director Chris Tocanti and, and, and Chris Polanski. Um, but there are four sports. So Stanford has an advantage, and I'll just say this, because they compete in lots of sports. And they win a lot of sports that you know they don't have 150 teams necessarily compete in. Not to take anything away from Stanford, which is the, the, the gold standard for a comprehensive athletics program. But but Chris Ocanti has come in, and I don't think it's been any coincidence that Texas has risen. He's made some great hires. Um, but there are four sports. Gerald talked about um, the overall scoring, but there are four sports that are mandatory, that every you cannot choose to exclude them out of your top sports, that are women's volleyball, women's basketball, men's basketball, and baseball so what this cup views as the foremost and again no one's going to agree that football is not in the top foremost but the four mandatory are uh basketball of each side and then volleyball and baseball and just think about the fact that again our basketball men's team had a top 10 regular season and a good ranking and, and got shocked they could have been even better had they made the tournament run we all hope they did the women's basketball team didn't have the regular season they wanted in year one of again having one of the two or three best coaches in the year in Vic Schaefer but they really got it together and made a Cinderella wonderful run in the postseason now think about those two things leveling out do it in both seasons and have a great regular season and keep it going in the postseason volleyball was so close to another natty and just right there and and made the run they did and just to have it come up short but bringing everyone back to do it again and we've talked a lot about baseball so football let's get them there let's have a top five finish that sounds good to me top eight great um but uh uh you know remember that the the uh, overall athletics performance is not just those things swimming and diving we'll talk a little bit about why there's good news there but uh texas just keep winning all across in all these different sports track and field um and and, and what what was an unbelievable almost unprecedented season with all the top 10 texas uh that we've talked about the past year uh rowing i mean just all these sports that that, that is fantastic Let's just win them all. Let's 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 make it where we have too many sports that are top ten to be able to fill out, and every sport is uh, is just picking a top ten finisher. Runaway winners for the rest of time. Eddie Reese officially unretired. It broke on Twitter in a weird way. Jay Hartzell and Chris Del Conte were just like casually tweeting back and forth about Eddie Reese's resignation papers and not accepting them. And I was like, are we like, is this a troll job or like what's happening? And then Del Conte was like, nope, it's official. Eddie Reese is unretiring. And so apparently he just got real bored, just real, real bored. And it only took what, six weeks for that to happen. But Eddie Reese is back to continue to haunt the entirety of the nation and the Big 12 as it relates to swimming when we said texas is back this is the one we meant eddie reese and all his national championships he couldn't stay away he loves us too much he's back so yeah so eddie reese continues hopefully we'll see eddie jump in the pool yet again this year and for many years to come so uh speaking of coaches that aren't doing big things uh texas baseball coach david pierce was named the abca central region coach of the year bringing on some hardware for an incredible 50 win season he previously won the regional award back in 2012 with sam houston but will continue hopefully as texas builds and continues to build uh, this baseball program be in the conversation for several years to come Courtney Ramey, we knew this was going to happen based upon his social media. Uh, he said he was back, but he would be entertaining the uh, draft process just to see where he likes. Um, 
officially withdrew his name from the NBA draft this year, and so he's going to be officially playing for Chris Beard for another year. Jericho Sims uh, is officially gone, though. He um, Jericho Sims just kind of he did that thing where I, I was we were guilty of this in college at a party where it's like not say bye to anybody and you just slowly walk out and like hey I'm gonna go outside and then nobody sees you again for the rest of the night. Jericho Sims officially signed with Clutch Sports, which is not one of the agencies that deals with the NIL stuff. So he's officially officially gone. We wish him wish him the best at the next level. I apologize to all the folks uh, I've ever done this to. Many of you, I'm sure, listen to the podcast, uh, the, the the ghosting. I'm uh, my 23 and me was relatively inconclusive. I think I'm a percentage Irish, um, so I can say it. But it's often called the Irish goodbye. But just the uh, the um, I'm at the party and I don't feel like saying goodbye 28 times, so I just kind of you know grab my drink, chug it, throw it in the bath in the in the trash can, and slip out the back door. Um, that's that's basically what Jericho Sims did. I I I love his lack of. Uh, pomp and or circumstance and uh, I do also love the way his combine is going he's a man who's seeing his stock fly up the board and uh, and deservedly so he's a hard worker and a kid who's got uh, spring for days and, and and can really tailor his game to the next level adding her name to the classification of people who I think are the pinnacle of human development. Logan Eggleston was named the Big 12 Scholar Athlete of the Year. So in addition to being the best player, she was also um, the one, the academic portion for volleyball. Again, like I talk about the Acho brothers, back when they were on campus, they were business honor students and all the stuff that they did, right? It's like there are people that are like, you shouldn't both be athletic and that smart most people that play sports at vanderbilt right like but logan eggleston continues to prove that she um deserves all of the the flowers that she's getting uh for her again incredible time on campus and logan eggleston also during her time on campus has led some of the uh student efforts for um racial inclusion and 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 um just the student kind of uh athlete committee and so just has been a a leader both on the volleyball court on the campus and obviously in the classroom literally some people can do it all and i'm not saying that this means she will never have any bad takes in her life because i mean if you want to come on the pod and talk about it even our good friends the Aches can occasionally have a, a tweet that just is is a bit um a bit off off tilt, but uh, we'll leave it at that. We'll keep it focused on Mrs. Eggleston, who uh, utterly fantastic, and again proves that uh, the best and the brightest uh, come to the University of Texas. And those types of awards really make—I uh, don't know if every alum—I can't speak for everyone—but uh, this alum very proud when when we went on the court and off. And so now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum. Brought to you by Joe. Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? There was a, a period in, in, in Texas basketball that was that was just purely fun. I mean, Google image search Brad Buckman um, and, and look at some of the, you know, uh, there's a particular picture of him, I think, when they, they went to, it must have been the Maui Invitational because he's in a Hawaiian shirt with a lei. Um, Lamarcus Aldridge, TJ Ford, just just great things. But PJ Tucker has always been one of the coolest men to ever wear the burn orange and just He's made many lists that Gerald and I have, have made over the years. Guys you would want on your side uh, in a dark alley uh, brawl. Um, you know, players you would stack on a roster um, if you had to pick, like, specific. I would have Steph Curry for his three-point shooting. I would have whatever. You just want P.J. Tucker for his P.J. Tuckerness for his fight, his nasty, his tenacity, his rebounding, his three-point shooting, his ability to do it all, to play defense, to, to guard guys seven inches bigger than him, uh, or, or, you know, just to do it all, just to be a, a, a 
team guy, a winner. You know, he could do it all. There's nothing that he can't do, and he's 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 one of my favorite just UT basketball guys of all time. Um, but over the past, I don't know, five six years, it's kind of started to come to prominence. Basically, after Tucker went and played in Europe and came back, that Mr. Tucker is also a fashion icon and his shoe game has gotten the attention uh, of many over the years some of the the sneaker blogs you know feature him prominently there are and i love this that we live in this world there are nba flat fashion blogs or people who break down the kind of uh entrances of various players and in, in in you know uh, they they're they're filmed getting off the bus walking down the tunnel um russell westbrook has, has often been polarizing in this field but no one has ever there is no polarization of P.J. Tucker. The man just has drip for days. His fits are always just fire. He he often will throw a great hat with a, with, a, with a killer outfit, but he has never missed when it comes to the shoes. He just... Other NBA players have been quoted envying his, his shoe game. Just it, it, There's been articles written about it, pictures of him with the... I mean, I don't even know what the number is now, but thousands upon thousands of pairs. Uh, it, it is just an, an utterly... Um, unbelievable collection and, and passion that he has, honestly. And at the same time, we're talking about name and image likeness in, in, in sponsorships and players uh, connecting with brands uh, at the collegiate level. This has obviously always been possible at the professional level, but nonetheless, our own Longhorn PJ Tucker is doing something uh, a bit unprecedented. And he just recently uh, signed a deal to collaborate with Dolce & Gabbana on some sneakers. And the amount of cool that was in that sentence I just said, like, the, it, I, I, there is nothing I will ever do in my life that is that, like, elite. That is so unbelievable. One of the biggest brands in in world, and especially in the world of, of fashion, uh, which is not in, in, in based in the United States, uh, but has reached out to an NBA player who, again, as much as we love PJ Tucker as Longhorns, and as and as much as he is, you know, playing currently in the NBA Finals uh, on a team, he is not in the top probably fifty most popular, famous, recognizable NBA players. This is not like LeBron James doing this, or another Longhorn in Kevin Durant, or the aforementioned Steph Curry, or any of these superstar players who put up thirty points a night, who are kind of do the pristine prestigious work on the court and get the giant giant internet followings this is a guy who we said could probably be described most aptly as gritty and nasty on the basketball court and yet off the court he is he is collaborating with one of the elite high-end high fashion hot couture uh brands out there and i just love it for pj tucker and and if i had the type of funds maybe i would buy uh a pair of these these when they come out but uh, I, I won't and i don't uh, but nonetheless i will be cheering and i will be checking them out the day that they drop pj tucker um keep doing awesome incredible things and showing that that there's there's no school like the university of texas who who produces the amount of varied and cool stories that we get to talk about on this podcast i can't guarantee this but i don't know of any other times where you're going to hear hot couture on this podcast, but um, I've gone on record by saying of saying that I would spend ridiculous amounts of money for any of the burn orange Jordans that that PJ Tucker has. He and Michael Huff need to just have like they they could totally fund an entire orphanage by raffling off a couple of pairs of their burn orange Jordans. Whole another conversation. So I'm banging the drum this week on a on an NIL adjacent 
story. And so if you aren't up with the times, name, image, and likeness abilities for college athletes have opened up. And so um, players are, are marketing themselves, and you and I are full supporters of this. I love seeing players um, being able to capitalize on their brand in a way that the universities already have. And so I was really vehement that Cameo was going to be a really easy way to do this. And sure enough, 8 o'clock Central Time on July 1st, Bijan Robinson is on Cameo, right? And I love it. And, and OU fans paid 100 bucks to try to get him to pay Boomer sooner, and he didn't. And that's the level of pettiness I appreciate. Uh, he was very nice about it. He was like, I'll take your money. I ain't going to say it. And I very, very much appreciate that. But Casey Thompson, who we talked about already, and it's just going to be a quarterback-centric episode, but Casey Thompson is also on Cameo. But the difference for Casey Thompson is that the proceeds from Casey Thompson's cameo are going to go straight to um, the No Kid Hungry campaign, which is something that I absolutely love. One, for him and his ability to do so, but like the, the fact that like, you know, we shouldn't have childhood hunger in one of the richest countries in the world. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that that's a thing that currently exists here and we can have greater conversations about that on a show that's not about people playing children's games but like like him using his platform and you know regardless of whether he is able to donate a bunch of money to this or whatever but like his ability and him him being able to use his platform and make money that's going to go to something he cares about is one of the coolest extensions of this right i've always thought that college athletes should be able to benefit from their their celebrity that they generate. But I also have thought it's a travesty that these people can't use their image to market for causes that they care about. And like that to me is is again Last year would have been an incredible time for players to be able to do that because a lot of these guys come from small towns that were blasted by COVID and the after effects. So being able to say, hey, I'm the quarterback at the University of Texas, and I'd love for you to donate to this food charity or this food bank without fear of losing um, their eligibility would have been huge. It would have been monumental. And so being able to use this status, not just to make money for themselves, but to impact the greater good, like that's what life is all about. That's why... Again, if I ever get famous and I don't do this, if I don't use my fame and platform to like advocate for things that are important to me, then you should do everything you can to take any fame and status I have away from me because that's what I believe that fame and status are all about. And so I love seeing it from Casey Thompson. Whether or not he's QB1 next year, I don't care. I will cheer for this guy forever and a day. Amen. You're so great, Gerald. When I get famous, um, inevitably, I will hoard it all to myself. No one's getting nothing. I, cousins is even too far removed. Direct family, maybe. Peanuts, a little bit, just to get you along. It's all for me. No, I'm kidding, obviously. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is incredible. Um, I, I love these stories. Um, we Again, I, I enjoyed talking about student and athlete both. Um, but when you see uh, what Michael Huff did during COVID and you see, um, what, what, you know, Sam Ellinger and, and Charlie Collier tried to do, uh, during what you mentioned with the COVID, um, kind of awareness and fundraising during that time. Um, it really is cool. And it's cool that now it, there, there is just no holds barred and you're really allowed to do what you're passionate about. And, and, and for those guys who, who choose to, uh, to do something like this, what Casey's doing. It, I mean, it's just it's just great. It just goes to show a level of character. And uh, and exactly like you said, whatever happens, if he's QB1 or, or not, uh, you can't help but cheer for a guy like that. And, and by all accounts, just seems like a really, really great kid. Um, so I, I am... Uh, I'm excited to hear this news story. I like news stories that leave 
this podcast feeling on a high note. And so I'm not going to add anything else because let's go out on a high, Gerald. And so that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We'll have our TCU preview for you on Thursday. You've got to look out for that one. Our favorite Melissa Treewasser will be on with us, and so we'll see you on Tuesday. Thank you so much, and until then, hook him. Hook 'em. Football will be back in eight weeks, but we know football's coming home. <laughs>